In the previous episode of Gareth Jones on Speed, plucky on-speed presenter and petrol sniffer Richard Porter was just about to risk everything in a flight around the Circuit de la Sarthe in a helicopter. We rejoin the action now, just as Richard boards the hyperactive egg beater. Right then, here we go. We're in a helicopter, which is... I'd love to say something really insightful, but frankly, we're in a helicopter, and that's all you need to know. <laughs> uh, that's um, Nick Trott, my editor from Evo, breaking copyright on the um, the Airwolf theme. We're up. <laughs> we can see, uh, I can see the Dunlop Bridge, which is great. This is just going to be me describing things that you can't see, which I appreciate is uh, quite irritating. But if you haven't been in a helicopter, I can tell you a couple of things about it. First of all, it feels like you're being suspended from a thread very high in the sky from which the helicopter is slightly dangling. Definitely a dangling feeling. And right now we're just looking out over Le Mans town at a height of, God knows, high, quite high. You wouldn't want to fall out. No, it's some all sound straight. We can see we can see cars in it. We're too high to actually tell you what they are. But they're definitely cars. If you're really interested in helicopters, I think this is a squirrel, which I also think is made in France. So this is a patriotic helicopter. And also definitely not German, because as we know, German people struggle to say the word squirrel. <laughs> I thought that was a road. It's not. That's the Mulsanne Strait. We've just sort of curved round. You get a sense up here of how long the Mulsanne Strait is. I wish I could tell you off the top of my head what that is. But from up here, it looks like bloody miles. We're just coming up sort of alongside the Mulsanne and over the, um, the PlayStation chicane. Fantastic. What you do get from up here is a sense of just how long the track is because we're puttering alongside the Mulsanne and we're still alongside the Mulsanne. Got a little kink as it heads to the end. You can see the forest though, it's going right alongside the forest and we're not even at the end yet. Still not at the end. I can see there's an Aston down there. See, that's where a distinctive livery pays dividends because you can see it from a helicopter. Something for the other teams to think about, probably. It's probably the wrong time for me to remember this, but I do... I think someone told me a while ago that the difference between a plane and a helicopter is that a plane wants to fly and a helicopter wants to crash. We're banking now, which is always exciting. It's when you get the sense... Everyone in here with me is slightly giggling that kind of nervous, oh my god, are we going to die, giggle. Um, banking, you really do get that sense of you're sort of being dangled from the sky in a weird way. This is, Nick has just pointed out, this is where Dumbrecht flipped. And Mark Webber then as well. Yeah, Same spot, but there's a little crest, isn't there? Yeah, you can see the, how dense the forest is. So when the car obviously flipped on TV, it just disappeared from the TV screen. It's what you don't really see from low down, just how dense the forest is up here. And of course you're not allowed in there to go to go and try and find a great vantage point, unfortunately. I'm coming up to Arnage here, heavy braking zone. What campsite's that down there? Is a campsite at Arnage? Is that called Arnage? I can't remember. I'm not sure, to be honest. I think it's a pretty gnarly one down there. I think the Dutch take that one over and you don't... <laughs> we, we could so on them from up here. They'd probably find it funny amazing just a sea of tents and cars parked next to them but also you can see some of the size of the tents there's those people who have like tellies and playstations and things like that in there these massive tents you see the karting track now and the Porsche curves there which is where Gareth and Zog are staying again I could if I so choose 
uh, drop a greenie on their tent, but uh, the pilot's gone a bit wide, so so I can't. And then where are we now? We're coming back round. We've done a big circuit. It's interesting. We're on the airspeed indicator. We're doing around 100 knots, so we're not hanging around at all, and we're getting completely destroyed by every car. We're running parallel to the circuit now, and you can see, you know, the LMP2 cars there. They're just disappearing. What are we, what's 100 knots would be? Hundred and something miles an hour, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I think the, the exact equivalent is uh, very fast. Very, very that's fast. that's the technical term. I can also see the rotors RPM. We're doing the, the rotors doing 400 RPM, which actually doesn't sound like a lot, but I suppose just because we're used to looking at gauges with thousands written on them. It's obviously not a VTEC helicopter, is it? <laughs> no, I didn't feel any kick as it came over that sort of crested that thing. Maybe it's a Toyota, one of those Toyota VVTs out of the old Corolla, where it's only the very last 100 or in this case 10 rpm that gives you that kick yeah there we go we're still up high look at that that's amazing dunlop bridge the car's sweeping down towards every tetra rouge down here right that's Um, right yeah that's there's the great pub and bar just the exit of tet rouge obviously you always see some great casualties in there on a saturday morning even before the race has started do you know know what's weird though i've been out there a few times when i've been at le mans before and wandered up there and never realised, because I've never got that far, that it's right next to a dual carriageway. I thought it was out in the middle of nowhere. This is the most glorious sight for me when they come out of Tet Rouge and they join the road. You know, this is yeah. the road now, and it's the, this leading onto the Malzan Strait. Very little barrier, as you can see. Oh, well, I can see, you can't, sorry. It's also when you get that sound, because I've sat at Tet Rouge and you, you see that at night, you see the brake disc glowing. You hear them popping on the overrun, and then you hear them clog it and disappear off into the forest. There's this howl from the petrol engine cars. That's right, and it's completely—it's relentless too. You, it, it's very rare in, say, a Formula One race that you hear a car going up through the gears all the way to the absolute maximum speed, and then hang on to that top speed. Here, you get it three times a lap. You know, it's an extraordinary place. I, lo- I love them all. So this is an extraordinary way to see it. You're right. I was saying before as well, because how long on the first pass that we did, how long it took us to fly the length of the Mulsan at whatever we were doing, 100 odd miles an hour, and, and you just you realise how long that is as a, as a straight, even with the chicanes in it. And the kink that we can just see now, the old kink, which would have been taken flat out. I mean, that's actually, that's not a kink, is it? That's a corner. Yeah. So imagine that in a 962 or something. Oh, my Lord. This is where you get a real sense of Le Mans being the kind of the Glastonbury of car races. I mean, again, we're looking back down on all the campsites, and it's all you can see, just the multi-car. I can see a pink that pink thunderbird or something down there right as an f40 i can see a load of ferraris um and then the next guy there's a load of caravans there uh, disturbingly i don't know it looks more like a storage place they're all very cheap by jowl but we're low we're coming in lower now i don't know we're parallel to the runway at the mon airport if you're familiar with that and we're just but we're coming in over the grass these things just dump on the grass and he's just sort of swooping in low. I wish I could see how high we are, but it's not very high at all. We're about 20 feet off and getting lower all the time. Below one. Which is slightly worrying. <laughs> one foot. <laughs> but we've got the skids on the bottom. We've probably just knocked somebody over. Take a skid to the face. That's it, we're coming in. He's going to just swooping in. 25 foot. It's just also, they sort of drift when they turn a little bit, don't they, as well? It's nice. It's sort of drifting in the way that a supermarket trolley does. You know, you get that sort of four-wheel sense of bit of a wobble and we are we're down skids down that was fantastic i'm gonna leave this running while i get out so you can hear from the outside that it really was a helicopter not a sound effect cd or something here we go here we go 
Steve from Evo is trying to take a picture and I was standing in the way of it like a big twerp. That was amazing. Just such a good view. I'm sorry that I was basically a babbling idiot, but if you were up there, you'd understand it. It's just a great way to see the circuit. The sun's come out as well, so you could just get this glorious sense of the track sort of shining off into the distance as the tarmac reflects the sun. It was, it was beautiful up there, really beautiful. And if you get the chance, I would recommend this to anyone. But obviously, first you have to ingratiate yourself to somebody who's giving away these tickets. Well, that's it for me, a babbling fool. But we'll go back to some sensible talk from Gareth and Zog now. Bye-bye. Richard Porter in a helicopter for Derek Jones on speed at Le Mans 2010! It's about 2.30 in the morning and I'm in the Audi hospitality overlooking the pits with uh, a few friends... Some of them a little worse for wear. As far as the race goes, the number two Peugeot, Stefan Sarazan, is in the car at the moment, is leading. But it's the Orica Peugeot, that's number two at the moment. Luc Duval is driving the car at the moment, but also Nicolas Lapierre is in that car, I know from the A1GP days, so I wish him well. Third place is the number nine Audi. Roman Dumas is in the car at the moment, so uh, quite a lot going on. Richard's here. Hey, Rich, how's it going? Hey, all right, yes, how are you? But relaxed and groovy, but perhaps not as relaxed as you are at the moment. I was just... I was, sorry, I'm just going to close these windows here. I, I was just hanging out the window to um, watch one of the Audis come in to do a stop, which is a very quick stop. I think it's a bit of a splash and dash. But overall, it's all going well. It's uh, uh, 2.29, according to my digital watch. And uh, what do we have to report? I'll tell you what I'm, I'm, I genuinely want to mention, because um, the Japanese Lambo is still in it. It's fantastic. And it's become my... I'm slightly obsessed with it now. It's and, never know, gone this long, has it? The Japanese Lambo, you know, always just, just uh, crashes and or breaks down on the first or second lap, generally. Well, that's how I remember it. And as such, it's like the comedy entry. But... This year, they've really stepped up their game and they've sort of brought a proper racing car rather than a Merchelago with some stickers on it that they assume will be able to go the distance. As a consequence, it's still hanging in there and, and you know, it's doing perfectly well. And they're coming in for stops and I, I, I was watching it do a stop earlier on and, it, they, you know, they're a proper team now. And I, so, from comical, inappropriate entry, they've suddenly become, in my mind, like plucky underdog and I really want them to finish. I don't really care where, even as if it's long as they're running at Finishing the end. is an achievement in itself, and there are plenty of plenty of casualties already. Uh, Have we lost both the Ford GTs at this point? Uh, I don't know. We lost no, one no, of them. I don't think so. I hope not. I'm we not we sure. lost the Jaguar, didn't we? Yeah, oh, the Jaguar. I mean, that, that was actually the comedy entry this year because that it just was. went out. And um, my colleague uh, Henry from Evo was uh, down in the Jaguar pit when that came in and he said that there was no sense of urgency when they brought it in. It was clearly something they knew was broken and was going to stay broken. There was no real... They kind of got the bonnet up and had a little bit of sort of men sucking air in through their teeth and then just went there. <laughs> it's probably not going to work, mate. So that's it. They left it. Yeah, that's gone. Uh, what else? Quite a lot. One of the Persians had a big problem, didn't it? One of the Audis actually yeah, no, spun no, off no, at one no, point trying to get round one of the BMWs. Yeah, one of the Persians took a knock from a back marker as well and spun out over the gravel, but it seemed to stay in it. Um, it's a tricky race to win, isn't it? Hang on, there's someone else I want to talk to here, Richard, as well. Friend of the show... Fifth gear presenter and car pervert, Johnny Smith. Hey, Johnny. 
Good evening. Have you been to Le Mans before? No. This no. is your first? Yeah, I, I, my, my Le Mans hymen is now broken. And yeah. how did you enjoy the process of getting it uh, yeah. cost? It's been awesome. It's been awesome, actually, because I don't have a huge amount of knowledge about Le Mans cars, so I've been doing a lot of learning today, and it's been great. I especially like the full-bodied, like, based upon normal cars. Uh, the GT category. GT1 and 2, yeah. yeah. The sound of the four GTs. Oh, and... That, that, like the that Corvette one. as well. The Corvette is just so dirty. Yeah. It's just unbelievable. <laughs> did, did, so you hear, dirty. did you hear the Jaguar when it was running earlier on? That sounds wrong. It sounds like it's hurting. Yeah. No wonder it's fallen off. It's such a shame because it's it's not going to do them any favours to uh, like enter a race with one car and obviously not that well prepared. It doesn't do well for the brand, really. It kind of deserves more than that, doesn't it? Oh, they'll get it together. They'll be back. This is a toe in the water, I think. And yeah. We'll see a bit of Jag. Hang on. Zog? Zog's got earphones on at the moment. He's listening to what's going on. Uh, is it John Hindorf on the radio at the moment? What's he saying? Um, I, actually, I'd actually turned off the radio to listen in to what you were saying to Johnny there, so I, I have <laughs> no idea. <laughs> so I cannot answer your question. Well, that's fair enough. Uh, listen, I, I just think as we've got all of us here, and, you know, it's half past two and we're all going to go to bed. Yeah. 2.30. Wow. And we're probably all going to bed in a few minutes. I think we should do a traditional Walton's wrap to this. So yeah. it's good night, Zog. Good night, Gareth. Good night, Richard. Good night, Gareth. Good night, John Boy. Good night, Gareth. (laughs) Good night, everybody. Good morning. Although, technically, it's afternoon. It's 20 past 12 here at the campsite at uh, Le Mans Circuit. Zog and I got to bed very late, I think it was about four o'clock, and when you wake up in the morning, as is the tradition of Le Mans, it all goes off. Now, we still haven't managed to exactly work out what's happened while we've been asleep. Any ideas, Zog? Can you, can you outline what happened? It's been quite a dramatic turnaround. Well, we know that Peugeot lost the lead to two of the Audis, so uh, quite a big turnaround from Peugeot, Peugeot... Audi to uh, Audi, Audi, Peugeot. The lead Peugeot has just taken back a place, so it's now Audi, Peugeot, Audi. We don't know what happened to the Peugeots, but I think we'll uh, maybe uh, ask a couple of fans, see if we can find something out, but uh, yeah, huge turnaround when we were asleep. A little bit annoying, but that's what happens in a 24-hour race. It all happens between 3 and 5 in the morning, usually, that's what they say, and I think that's probably what's happened here. But it looks like uh, the chase is on, Peugeot have the pace to catch and pass any Audis that are in front of them but Audi seem to have the reliability so with only two and a half hours to go of racing it ain't over till it's over not with this big race anyway that was uh, a Corvette followed by the Ray Malik LMP2 car and then a Porsche 911. Just as we make our way up to the start finish straight, Zog and I have decided to stop by at the Porsche curves just for a couple of minutes to see the cars go by. That's one of the uh, HPDs. 
And uh, of the cars I've seen going past so far, I haven't seen the J-Lock Lamborghini, the Japanese Lamborghini Owners Club, which will disappoint Richard. It'd be wonderful if they were running at the end. Here's another 911. was one of the Aston Martins followed by the Pescarolo chassis AIM run by Orica and another 911 that's the Drayson car here we go Audi passing a Ferrari sorry not an Audi here's an Audi That's the number seven car. Here's the Spiker. Followed by 911 and uh, is that the Welter Racing LMP2 car? I think it is. Truth is, I could stand here all day and watch this, but we've got to get up to the start finish straight to see the end. And actually, I've got to shoot a little bit of video for the Auto Express website. So uh, I better get up there. I'll follow that Celine and this Aston Martin. I think they'll probably get to the grandstand before I do, though. Le Mans 2010 with Gareth Jones on speed. Zog and I have made it up to the circuit again, and we're once again in the Audi VIP hospitality, which overlooks the pits. And uh, quite frankly, I feel like crying again. Um, with one hour and perhaps 15 minutes to go before the end of the race, the three factory Peugeots are out. And we just watched the Orica Peugeot, the number four car, with Luc Duval in it, expire. The right-hand bank of engines was shooting out flames on the side of the car and that ended the Peugeot command of Le Mans, leaving the three Audis in position one, two and three. Zog, Zog's just sending a text to someone at the moment, but Zog, Le Mans messes with your emotions, doesn't it? Yeah, quite apart from the fact that, you know, it is an extraordinary event, a huge challenge, and, you know, of course that brings out great emotions. Um, you know, you can be pretty strung out by the end, whether you're, uh, whether you're involved or, or whether you're a spectator. Um, but, yeah, the, the, yeah, the program, guys, must be absolutely yeah, gutted at the moment. I mean, it's, uh, uh, you know, to have been dominating the race in the way they were and for it to turn around this much. I think terrible luck but also, you know, tricky uh, crowding. It just shows you what a difficult race this truly is to win, to be in it at the end and to be winning and Audi once again seems to be doing a magnificent job my heart bleeds for Peugeot but I have to say what it does is it puts the uh, Aston Martins up there in technically fourth and fifth place, doesn't it? Yeah, I, mean, I mean, you know, um, uh, persistence, you know, uh, pays off uh, in this event, and uh, you, you can't take anything for granted. You may be one, two, three at midnight, um, and you know, come two o'clock on Sunday afternoon, the race can look completely different. 
Well, we'll prepare for the last few minutes of the race now and cheer the victors and indeed all the combatants in this massive battle. A very powerful image just appeared before me at uh, half an hour to the end of the race. All three Audis have just pulled into the pit lane right in front of us. They're all line astern. The number nine car, the number eight car, the number seven car. And the number nine goes out, the number seven goes out, and the number eight goes out. There's Audi are going to take the top three places at the 2010 24 Hours Du Monde. And also in the last few minutes, one of the Aston Martins popped its cork. And also beneath me right now, the AF course number 95 car of Alacy. Fizzy Keller and Tony Verlander goes out. That's them done for the last stop. Richard, you've got well, to I, hand it to Audi, haven't you? That, well, yeah, that was um, as a piece of... I can't think of another word except propaganda, and I know that sounds cruel. It's not. It's actually excellent team management. It's making a point. I mean, you know, these teams aren't in this for the good of their health. They're in it because it's, uh, you know, they hope to sell more cars off it. And I think we've talked about on the show before about you know, slightly questioning whether that actually works. But, you know, if you believe it does work and you believe that your marketing budget is best spent in this way, then you want your cars to look as impressive and powerful and, and unified as possible. And, my God, they've just done that. Yeah. A choreographed one, two, three pit stop. It's just precision, precision pit stopping. And, uh, uh, yeah, I'll take my half to him for it. Well done. Well done to them for that, that piece of, uh, what, like I said, propaganda. Five minutes to go to the end of the 24 hours of Le Mans 2010. And I'm in the Audi hospitality over the pits. And everybody's been given Audi flags to wave. I wish you could see this. It's quite an image. It really, really is. And you have to give the most utmost respect to Audi, who despite not having the quickest car, had the most reliable car and the best organised team and are in the right position to win this race again this is wonderful as all the Audi drivers and crew have climbed up to the top of the what they call the Pratt perches on the pit lane wall I can see the cars approaching the final chicanes by the pit entrance now as they Approach to take victory at the 2010 Le Mans 24 Hours. The leading car, the number nine Audi, Romain Dumas. Mike Rockefeller, but currently driven by Timo Bernhard. Audi win Le Mans 2010. And it sounds like the Queen Mary's also come down the pit lane as well. I can see the leading Audi now. Driver punching the air right in front of me. That was Zog banging on the window who's elated because 
he knows, like the rest of us who are race fans, just how hard this race is. That's it. I've got to go and do a little bit of work, a bit of video, and uh, perhaps a small amount of parting to celebrate the end of this race and the magnificent achievements of everybody involved. How's about that? How's about that? Well, speed team, another classic Le Mans, because you couldn't have predicted that one. You could not have predicted that. Uh, Classic all round. Amazing. Amazing for a number of reasons. The the Audi 1-2-3 definitely didn't predict that. I feel sorry for the Peugeots, but in its own way, that that was sort of amazing. Amazing just how, how badly those last two cars failed in the same way and in the same place. And then other amazing things. The Spiker, I think, made it to the end, didn't it? Last I looked. The Spiker was running, was it? I think so. Wow. I don't know. Um, the Japanese Lamborghini. Here, 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 here come the GT2 cars. Okay. The 88 and the 73. Calvin Meyer Porsches. Formation flying in the 911s. Nice. I think the Spiker stopped off for a pancake on the way through. Yes, yeah, in the smoke. All that's suggesting the Spiker team indulged in the, uh, Absolutely not. the smoking off marijuana, but. Um, <laughs> But uh, I think they were out there. And there's Capello just uh, walking, <laughs> walking on the there, uh, talking to the press. And uh, absolutely fantastic. I mean, this is you know, just underlines the fact that you know, I mean, uh, it's a marathon, not a sprint. You have to finish. You know, <laughs> first, to finish first. First, first to finish. All In this case, finish. to finish first, second, and third. I mean, you know, Celine, the Celine. Now, there's another amazing thing. The Celine made it to the end. Fair play to them. It'd be the Le Mans 18 hours. Yeah. Peugeot would have won, but yeah, it's not. Well, it's a 24 next year hours. Next the ACO yeah. will tweak the rules so that it becomes an 18 hour race. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? We'll be here to witness it. Say goodbye, Zog. Goodbye. Say goodbye, Richard. Goodbye. And that was Gareth Jones on speed. See ya. To send us an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site, or follow us on Twitter, go to GarethJones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed!